Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Friends, we are deeply saddened by what has happened over the last two weeks uh, between Israel and Hamas. Uh, the ongoing uh, senseless killing and tragic loss of life uh, is very sad indeed. And uh, the fact that the war is not going to end anytime soon makes it all the more grievous. And we need to understand we are living in a time when we ourselves are witnessing the birth pangs of the world crying out for both justice and deliverance. And we recognize that uh, wars and pain will not cease. As a matter of fact, as the Lord returns, it would only uh, escalate. And therefore, we want to look at this as, as a burden for us to pray, Lord, would you come? Would you come again soon, Lord, and stop all this madness? Within the last two weeks, a lot of things have been written about these wars uh, that's been happening. Uh, and if you read some of these articles, there is an unusual word that occurs in many of these writings about this war that's going on. And the unusual word that occurs for me at least, uh, that keeps coming up again and again every time this is mentioned, is the word surprise. 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 Why, why is this word surprising? Well, it's not surprising in that sense of the massive multi-front attack uh, on Israel in air, land and sea, but what was really surprising was that Israel was caught surprised. Israel was caught surprised. I tell you why, because as far as the world is concerned, the gold standard for military intelligence, uh, by and large, is the IDF, or Israeli Defense Force, Mossad. And, and you know, many countries turn to them, and, and they are supposed to be the best of the best in intelligence, in deterrence, and defense. And yet, they were caught totally surprised, caught off guard, caught not knowing why this has happened. And friends, I, I think in the months and the years ahead, this will surely be something that people will be talking about. For ourselves, we ask, Pastor, why did you bring this up? Why, 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 why bring this up today? How is this relevance in, in, in our message today? You see, the scriptures tell us we do not just live in the natural world. We live in an unseen, supernatural, spiritual world as well. And if we are not careful and we only plunk ourselves and live with our five senses, then we may miss something that's absolutely happening out there, the war that's in the unseen world, and we, we too will be caught totally by surprise. That's why we've entitled this morning's message, Unseen, because we do need to understand what's happening in that world and not to be caught by surprise. So before we carry on, I invite us to close our eyes, bow our heads as we come before the Lord and invite the Lord to bring His peace and to open our eyes. Father, we pause right now before your throne of grace and we ask for mercy. Mercy for those who are suffering as a result of this war in Gaza and Israel. We pray for your hand to restore peace in the midst of pain. Lord, we ask for your presence to be with your church there, that they might arise in these dark times, that the message of Jesus may be proclaimed truly in the midst of suffering. Lord Jesus, we ask that as you open their eyes, would you likewise open our eyes to live and to see that beyond this physical world, there is likewise a war going on in the unseen world, that we may live wisely in these times. We ask and pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone says, Amen. Good morning, welcome to Covenant's Pulpit. Uh, two weeks we have paused to look at this whole idea of missions. And we've shared about missions because this is the purpose of the church, why God has left us behind, that there are yet men and women who have yet to know Jesus. And so we give our lives as a church to reach out to beyond our families, beyond our neighborhood, beyond our Singapore, to the rest of the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. But two weeks before that, many of you know we are preaching through the book of uh, Daniel this year. And, and three weeks ago, Pastor Kirk on this uh, pulpit shared with us the, the exegetical uh, overview of what it is in Daniel chapter 10. This morning, we're also going to look at Daniel chapter 10, but not exegetically, but thematically. Daniel chapter 10 has surfaced something that's important for us to pause and take a, a deeper look at this whole issue. So what is this deeper thing that we want to look at? And for that, we turn to Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. And on the screen, it is shown to you what is the content of this thing that we are entering into. 
So this is what God's word says in Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. It says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel. So what we have here is, this, this is, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true. And it was a great conflict. I underlined the word for you there, that the content of what was revealed to Daniel was not just conflict. The, the Hebrew word is sabah. This, this idea of war, this idea of a fight that's going on. But it's not just a war that's going on. There's an adjective in front of it. The adjective is the Hebrew word gadol. It's great. It's massive. It's humongous. It's a big war that is going on. So the content we, we see in the future is a big war. And, and no wonder we are experiencing some of these things that's happening. So how in Daniel chapter 10, 11, and 12 do we see that? The next couple of weeks we look at Daniel chapter 11, you find that in the physical natural world, there is war going on between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And then and, and it will escalate uh, all the way to the end. But in Daniel chapter 10 itself, there is also a war going on, but not in the physical realm. It's in the unseen realm, in the supernatural, spiritual world. And that's why this morning we are going to look at a thematic look in Daniel chapter 10 on the whole arena of spiritual warfare. That's why we've entitled this morning's message, Unseen. Unseen. And, and how do we unpack spiritual warfare in, in a session like this? So allow us to do it in a way that hopefully is meaningful to us, and the, the question we ask ourselves, if there are only three things we could share with you about spiritual warfare, uh, what are these three things we can share to you about? So here's our frame for this morning's message. The three things are the greatest world we live in, the greatest weapon thrown against us, and the greatest way forward. The greatest world we live in, the unseen world, the greatest weapon thrown against us, which is deception, and finally the greatest way forward, which is true prayer. So let's look at the first, the greatest world we live in. And in the text, would you turn with me to Daniel chapter 10, and you'll read from verse 12 all the way to verse 14 first. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I've come because of your words. Verse 13. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia, verse 14, and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for the days yet to come. Now, if you run your fingers down to verse 20 and 21, the angel, this angelic being, continues to say, verse 20, then he said, do you know why I've come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. Now, anyone reading this, you will say, whoa, what is happening down here? Because this is a world totally foreign to us, isn't it? How many of us have met an angel recently? And I'm not talking about your spouse. It, this is uncommon. We read a text like this and we just wonder what on earth is happening. There are three things. There are three things this text tells us. The first is the unseen world is real. And for most of us here, most of us here, I think maybe 98, 99% of us, we live in this world and there's nothing wrong. We are made flesh and blood. And, and how we interact with this world, our senses, you know, sight, hearing, taste, touch, smell, this is by and large how we are engaged in this current world. And so when we, we read things like this of, of these princes and these uh, angelic beings fighting with one another, it really doesn't make sense to us. And sometimes when we read it, we, you know, inside we wonder, is it really real? Do these things exist? And the text tells us they are very real. So let me share with you a story. I did share this many years ago uh, when I was a younger doctor and in a clinic. And, and one day a gentleman walked into the clinic and uh, he asked for his blood pressure to be checked. Now, these were the bad old days before our blood pressure machines are now easily available. Now, the small blood pressure machines, you can go to any pharmacy and you can buy it. It's quite cheap. You can buy it and you can, they do a decent job, uh, home blood pressure monitoring. But in those days, before they had these machines, the only way to test your blood pressure was you have to go to a clinic and check your blood pressure. There's nothing wrong with that. So he came in and he, I checked his blood pressure not once, not twice. It was well within the normal limit. So I told him, your blood pressure is normal. So what... what Tell me what, what, what's happening. And he says, I've been experiencing this incredible headaches, and it's very bad headaches. 
And I just wanted to see whether my blood pressure is normal. I've been taking my blood pressure pills normally. He's hypertensive, he's taking uh, regular blood pressure pills. I just want to see whether my blood pressure is normal because if it's normal and I have these headaches, and in his words, uh, in his words in Hokkien, he says, I know the lasam have come. Translated in Hokkien, lasam means the unclean spirits. And he went on to reveal to me that he's actually a medium and he practices uh, this channeling of spirits. And he says if it's not the blood pressure issue, then he knows certain things to do to get rid of these spirits. I pause a moment to, to, to think about this because often people who do not know Jesus are more sensitive and aware to the unseen realm than the sons and daughters of the light, you and myself. I'm not suggesting we go look for these things. What I'm saying is that we, we need to be aware that there is an unseen world and things do happen and you just to be aware of it. And this text tells us these things do happen, number one. It's not just that the unseen world is real, but there is war in the unseen world. You, you look at the words that's used down there, that was opposing me, that I'm going to go to fight, I'm going to contend with. And these are warring words, isn't it? And, and not just that, look at the titles that are given to them. They are princes, they are kings. And, and so there seems to be some form of hierarchy or positioning and this is in the Old Testament, and if you look at the New Testament, so, for example, Ephesians 6.12, uh, when, when Paul describes our struggle, what, what we are fighting against, notice the words he used. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, human beings, but primarily against the rulers, arche, against the authorities, exousia, against the cosmic powers, cosmocrator, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil, pneumatic cause, pornea, in the heavenly places. He could have used one word, but he chose to use several terms to describe the, the struggle that you and I face in the spiritual realm. So it does seem that in this spiritual realm, in the midst of this war, there are hierarchies and there are structures of various sorts. We don't know them, but that's just what is presented to us. But the third thing about this unseen realm is, besides the fact that they are real, they are at war with one another, is this whole idea that they seem to be assignments to various ones of them. For example, in, in the text in Daniel, they, they are signed over political entities like Persia, over Greece, and interestingly, Michael, the, the prince, assigned over you. In other words, there seems to be an angelic being of sorts assigned over the people of God, the Jews. So that's all we know from down here. Now, I pause a moment because I know many of us, our eyes are now just brightly open, and we're asking the question, hey, uh, we want to know more. <laughs> we want to know how, how they are arranged and stuff like that. And the good news is God has revealed this to us, but the bad news is that's all God has revealed to us. And that's what it means is simply this. That's all we need to know. We don't need to know anymore. God has decided this is all you need to know. You just need to be aware. This is happening. There's a war going on and there's this stuff like that. But beyond that, the Lord has chosen for whatever reason and we trust Him for that not to reveal anything more. Now, some of you will ask, Pastor, where did these beings come from? You see, the scriptures tell us that when God created the world, He created two kinds of beings. There's the angelic beings, His heavenly counsel, and then there is human beings, you and I, made in His image. And both of the angelic beings, as well as the human beings, we have a will. We can choose to follow our Creator or we can choose to rebel against our Creator. And in Genesis 3, many of you know our story as human beings made in God's image, we chose to rebel and sin came into this world. But in the spiritual world as well, uh, there are these spirit beings that, for whatever reason, chose to follow another person. The scriptures call him the devil. And together they were, became what is we known as fallen angels. So we surmise that the war here is between the angels that follow God and those that have chosen not to follow the Lord. That this world is real is not just seen here. Uh, here's a story about uh, Kate Vondi. Kate Bondi is a uh, Mexican-American tattoo artist. Uh, she was made famous in the TV reality show called LA Inc. Uh, and uh, she's an, also an entrepreneur, a song recording artist, etc., etc. But something happened in her life which she published on her IG uh, just in October this year. She put a video of herself being baptized. Wow! And she's made the decision to follow Jesus. So we rejoice. Uh, that's great. But the interesting thing about Kate Bondi, one year before putting this up uh, on IG just in October this year, she wrote something on the internet about her own journey uh, in the dark side. Uh, she had been into witchcraft and the occult, and for whatever reason, she decided to take all these books in her house and to remove them. This is one year ago before her baptism. 
And so this is found on the internet, and this is what she says. Huh? She says, the truth is, I just don't want to invite any of these things uh, into our family lives, even if it comes disguised in beautiful covers, collecting dust on my shelves. And I, I love everyone regardless of where they might be, but right now, it's never been more clear to me that there is a spiritual battle taking place, and I want to surround myself and my family with love and with light. So men and women here are people who have been into the dark side, they, they recognize it's real, and they've come to the place to recognize, I don't want this anymore. And by God's grace, they are turning. Uh, they are turning to the light. So the, the unseen world, uh, which is you know, not the world that most of us inhabit by and large, it is real. And there is darkness over there. And God tells us, don't be caught by surprise when things happen in our life. That's number one. The greatest world we live in is the unseen world. We need to be aware of what's happening down there. The second thing we need to understand is that the greatest weapon that's thrown against us is deception. And for that, I, I show you also the text in Ephesians uh, 6 verse 11. This is what it says. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The, the Greek word for schemes is methodia. Methods, that's where we get the word methods. So there are methods, there are schemes, there are strategies, scams as it were, if you want, to, to, to deal with us. You know, if you, are, if you are fighting a war and you want to defeat your enemy, uh, what do you want to do? You want to study your enemy, isn't it? Why do you want to study your enemy? You study your enemy because you want to know what is the person's strength and weakness and to use the weaknesses against your enemy. And friends, that's what happens in our life. The evil one, he is around for the longest time and he knows what is your witness, what is my witness, and he will use it against us. So here is uh, something that happened 10 days ago, uh, published in the Straits Times on the 12th of October, 2023. It's a story of, about a lady and I will call her Madam A. Madam A. Madam A is a customer service officer and one day browsing through social media, she came across a Facebook post of advertisement of a company purporting to buy pre-loved uh, furniture and electronic goods. And the deal was quite good. They would give you $30 to $100 depending on valuation for your pre-loved stuff. And it's also a free uh, pickup uh, for these items for yourself. So this is what Straits Times wrote and allow me to read it to you. Hoping to sell several pre-loved kitchen appliances, including a steamboat set and grill, she contacted the so-called buyer through Facebook Messenger. The buyer texted her on WhatsApp and they conversed till late at night. The next day, she spoke to the buyer on the phone and asked if he would like to buy a leather suitcase of hers. Well, on the phone, he said he transferred her $50 through PayNow and would pay the remaining amount upon collection and valuation of her items. He asked her to open her POSB Digibank app to check if she's received the payment. She followed his request but did not see the money. Now, with the Digibank app still running in the background, he, the buyer, instructed her to download a third-party app called iRecovery so as to list the items for a staff member to collect. And then when she did, her mobile phone screen began flickering. When she tried to decline the call, but all the buttons were unresponsive, she tried to uninstall the app but was unable to alarm. She told the buyer about it. He assured her that her phone was faulty. But she became suspicious. Because her phone was not faulty before the call, I asked him, are you a scammer? And he said, he's not a scammer, and not to offend him by uh, comparing him to scammers that post as mooncake sellers. Realizing something was amiss, she told her roommate about the incident. Her roommate advised her to immediately switch the phone off, call POSB. The bank officer told Madam A that the scammers have raised her transaction limit, which was originally set at 3K, and they had transferred 68,500 out of her POSB savings, and then another 4,000 shortly after that. All this took place in a matter of 15 minutes, one five. 15 minutes, 15 minutes and 40 years of a life saving was gone. Gone like that, 15 minutes. This is very, very sad. The Straits Times report went on to say that at least 10 million was lost by more than 750 scam victims due to unauthorized banking transactions performed by malware, which also reset the victim's phone. 
This is what's happening in our natural world. Deception, scams, methods used against us to get us to lose stuff and to give our money away, uh, literally. I want to share this with us and, and give a frame to, to, to think for a minute first. I'm not saying everything is of the evil one. We need to understand in, in the world as Christian disciples, we want to walk with Jesus, we have three struggles. There is first an internal struggle. The scriptures call that the flesh in us. The, the impulses that still want to drag us down and make us disobey God. That's inside of us. Then there is the world that we live in, the, the social, structural evil that's also out there because of, of humanity that's living out there. But there is also a supernatural, spiritual aspect that we struggle against. So there are three inverted commas enemy we fight against. That which is innate inside, that which is uh, social, structural, outside, and that which is also supernatural and spiritual. Often it's a combination of these three that affects us. But today, because we are talking about spiritual warfare, we are, we're going to look a little bit about the spiritual side of this. So how does this work for us? I, I want to use the idea of a malware. Right? We understand that malware hijacks your phone and stuff like that. Is there a spiritual malware also that can latch on to us and make us do things and, or influence us in a particular direction? I, I wish to tell you that, you know, in COVID, we have a detection kit, right? So you dig your nose, ART, then two lines or one line. Huh? We, we got the, the ART kit. But is there a, a spiritual malware kit, you know, that we can also dig our nose and then, hey, demonize? Don't have. Okay, don't have. So how do we know? So the question is, how do we know? Now, what I'm about to share with you is not necessarily always pathognomonic of this kind of influence. Huh? But I've seen it often enough to say, hey, if this happens, maybe we should just pay attention a little bit to this. The first is divisions. Divisions. Divisions, especially in the kingdom of God. Divisions in, in the body. Divisions in the church. People angry, fighting with one another. I share with you because the very nature of God himself is loving unity. We have one God existing in three persons, in forever eternal loving unity to one another. You know when the final prayer of Jesus in, in, in John 17, when he prayed for you and I, of the many things he could pray for, he prayed that we'll be united as one. Just as the Father is in him, he is in the Father, they, they are one together. That oneness represents the very nature and aspect of God himself. Does that make sense? And so when we are living in unity together, when people look at us, they say, ah, this is, this is representing God. This is the reality. Satan will do everything to break that unity, friends. He'll sow discord, he'll sow suspicion, he'll sow everything to break that unity. Often, division, division is a manifestation, number one. Secondly, is this whole idea of fear. Fear. Sudden fear that just grips us and comes over us. The scriptures remind us that perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. Well, what does that mean? See, God is love. When God is present with us, because of what Jesus has done on the cross for us, there's no fear in our lives. Why? Because we are accepted, we are loved, because of the blood of Calvary washing us free. We are righteous before our King himself. But the devil comes and he intimidates us. He says, you are so incompetent, so shameful, what you did. If people know, I should finish. You know, all this kind of stuff just load over us and we get trapped in this fear. Some, some of us may well be experiencing it. This sudden onset of fear over our lives. Number two. And thirdly, rage. Rage. Sudden onset of, of, of anger that's disproportionate with the offense that is given to you. Disproportionate. Now, now, I pause a moment and, and, and just want to clarify. Uh, I'm not saying uh, the other day when you got angry uh, that you're demonized. Uh. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that if it's a pattern. You see a recurring pattern of fear of, this, of, of just this kind of things happening in your life. You need to ask yourself, hey, is there more than meets the eye? Is there something unseen going on that I need to deal with? That's all I'm saying. Now, this, this idea of division, discouragement and defilement, these are the common ways, this darkness that's thrown, this present darkness that's thrown over us. These are just symptoms, symptoms. Not necessarily, as I said, always pointing to uh, a demonic influence, but at the heart of it, there is a common root. There's a common root. What is the common root? And for that, we will look at Jesus' description of the devil himself, okay? So in John chapter 8, verse 44, this is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. Listen to what he says. He says, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. 
When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Remember the story I shared earlier about the Madam A who was scammed? So are you a scammer? Of course I'm not a scammer. That person is lying through his nose, you know. That, that's speaking the language of the evil one. And that's the reality. That's, that's the deception that is happening for many of us. So how does it work? So I shared with you division, fear, and rage. So for example, we can show the slides. So in this whole idea about division, it is, oh, he hurt me, she is so bad, I will never forgive him. So these are the malware voices that will come and just, just come over you. Okay, I'm not saying that there are only ones, but these are some that may come over. And because of that, you're angry. But what is the truth? What does the truth say? The truth reminds us that, hey, our struggle is not primarily against flesh and blood. Yes, there is, there is innate evil in others, but they are not the primary enemy that you and I fight against. There's a spiritual darkness. And more than that, we are sinners. We are forgiven. We pray daily in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So just as we are forgiven, we can forgive others as well. Or what about fear? Oh, I'm inadequate. Uh, I, I, I'm only loved if I can, I can perform. Uh, or, or wow, you'll be shamed by this. Uh, all this kind of intimidating fear just, just come over you. But what do the scriptures say? God loved us so much. He would send his son to die on the cross for our sins. Jesus says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. What can separate us from the love of God? Can a height or depth or angels or... Nothing can separate us from God's love. And so this is the truth that God has given to us. What about rage? Oh, how can he or she say that? I have my rights, etc. And the scriptures tell us, yes, there is a place for emotion, anger. Be angry, but do not sin. How do we do that? We resolve it before the day is over. We try to settle it. And again, we remind ourselves our struggle is not primarily against the person beside you. And our greatest enemy is not human. Our greatest enemy is in the spiritual world that gets us to fight against one another. We can forgive because God has forgiven us. So some of you looking at this and say, hey, pastor, then, so you mean to fight against deception is truth. That's quite obvious, isn't it? But I want to present to you to fight is, is not just with truth. It is more than that. It is more than that. You say, what, what, what do you mean? So let me share by way of illustration. There's something that happened recently. I'm not proud of this at all. As a matter of fact, it's quite shameful, but I just tell you lah, because this is an authentic disciple-making church. And we are in that journey lah. Huh? So, so some, some weeks ago, uh, three of us, Tina, myself, and uh, uh, one of my young adult children, we were having dinner, and it was supposed to be a nice dinner. Tina had prepared food. We were supposed to sit down, watch Netflix together, enjoy ourselves. One of those, the other two young adults, they were out doing their own thing. So we decided we'd just have a nice meal time together. But before the dinner, when, when Tina was preparing food, she asked me some questions, and I responded to her. So she was in the kitchen. I was outside preparing. Uh, I thought I responded to her. I, I said, but I think she didn't hear because she was in the kitchen. So anyway, long story short, when we sat down, the movie was going on, we we're trying to focus on, you know, that kind of thing. And she asked the question again, but this time I, I, I thought the tone was not so good, but she asked the question again, and I just snapped. I just turned and I responded to her quite loudly. Actually, that's not true, quite angrily. <laughs> I said, oh, I, I said oh, you know, that kind of stuff. And... Uh, all this in front of my young adult child. Wow, this is terribly embarrassing, isn't it? But it happened. It just happened. And, and you know, after something like that, uh, nobody wants to eat dinner anymore. Right? <laughs> I spoil the mood of everything. You just, hi, I just, okay, then just, set, just go over. Ah, you say, oh, warfare, warfare. No, 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 friends, that is not warfare. That is pure stupidity on my part. <laughs> it's pure, just immaturity, just myself. You cannot blame the devil for everything. So I have to take responsibility. I was wrong. And it's just like that. I was triggered and just like that. Let me tell you where the warfare came in. So we have to wash the dishes, right? So you're washing the dishes, clearing out, and just... Uh, just uh. I knew I, I had to do something about it. I had to defuse the situation. The only way to do that is to humble myself and, and go and apologize. So... I was washing and that thought came in. And you know what? The moment that that thought came in, I got to do something about it. These voices just, 
just came in and the voices was, you know, you are not the only one wrong, ma. She also like that, ma. Uh, uh, you know, she should have heard, ma. And why she talk like that? And then, uh, you know, you already lost face, you know, she, she may not forgive you. Split second, split second, just. And at that moment, at that moment, I had a choice, you know. I could either harden my heart or I could humble myself. Friends, that is the warfare moment. That is the warfare moment. That moment will make the difference, all the difference in our life. That is the warfare moment because you are tempted then to harden your heart, to be proud and say, why should I do it? I was right, ma. See, all those things we talked about just now, the lies, the malware that tries to trap you. God gave the grace. God gave the grace. Humble yourself. Went into Tina's room and said, dear, I'm so sorry, that was wrong. I, just now I behaved really badly. Would you please forgive me? And by God's grace, uh, Tina was very gracious, humble. She, she forgave me. Thank God. Thank God for that. And the whole atmosphere just broke. It just broke. And friends, that, that is the world we live in, the unseen world. We just need to be aware that there's an enemy out to make you fall in relationships with one another, to make you fight one another, to make you angry with one another, to make everything like this. But at that moment, we can harden ourselves or we can humble ourselves. That is what I say when it's truth plus more. See? Truth not applied means nothing. You may know what you're supposed to do, but you don't act upon it. It means nothing. But if you humble yourself under God's word, under the truth of God, and you act upon it, that will break you free. That will set us free from the warfare that is against us. Friends, I share this with you because this is the reality and, and this is something so important that we think next year as, as the Lord moves us into this whole arena of holiness and, and tells us we need, to, we need to be holy as He's holy. The first half of the year, we, we are really planning to move uh, this, this whole course called Freedom in Christ uh, Ministry to our cell groups. We'll tell you more about this, but we feel this is so important for different ones of us, all of us as a matter of fact, if we can, to walk through this together so that in the area of journey, in this journey of finding freedom, of walking as God intends for us to walk, is very important. The greatest world we live in is the unseen world, and the greatest weapon thrown against us is deception. But there's one final thing we need to talk about, which is the greatest way forward. How do we move forward uh, in, this, in, in this arena of the unseen world? And I present to you, it is through prayer. Why do I say that? So for example, you look at what's happening for Daniel in Daniel chapter 10, verse 2 to 3. What brought all this about in the first place? Look at Daniel chapter 10, verse 2 to 3. It says, In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for three full weeks. For a full three weeks. Daniel was partially fasting, he was praying. And why was he praying? I suggested to you earlier that uh, Daniel had news that had come to him about the dire situation of the exiles that's returned back to Jerusalem. They're supposed to rebuild the temple. A temple has not been rebuilt. The people are in disarray, in great discouragement. Out of that pain and grief, he prayed. He prayed, he interceded for God's people. And then I want to share with you some of the most beautiful seven words in Daniel chapter 10. What is some of the most beautiful seven words uh, in chapter 10? Look with me at the last seven words in verse 12. Last seven words in verse 12, I've underlined it. This is what it reads. I have come because of your words. I have come because of your words. You know, friends, this is what God is saying to us. When we pray in the unseen realm, God moves. God responds to our prayers. God hears our prayer. Yes, there is warfare that is delayed. This is whole part of the journey of, of the spiritual opposition against us. But when we pray in the unseen realm, God moves. I have come. God's angel come. God sends his response to all of us because we pray. And if this is not just here in, in, in the uh, Old Testament. Let me share with you in the New Testament, if we were to ask any Christian, hey, what is the passage in the New Testament that talks about spiritual warfare? Most of you will direct me to Ephesians chapter 6, isn't it? And in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about the armor of God. It talks about the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, and the feet shot with the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. So these are the items. But do you realize how Paul lands 
the, the, his whole conversation, his whole sharing of us about this spiritual warfare, about this armor. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And look at what it says in verse 17 to 19. So he's coming to a landing. And so he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And he doesn't stop there. But he goes on to say in verse 18, praying. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Making supplication for all the saints, for all, sir. <laughs> also for me, uh, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So as we look at this, some of us will ask, ha, huh? so Paul says there's not six items of spiritual warfare, there is a seventh one, there is prayer, because he adds prayer at the end. Is this how we are supposed to look at it? And the way out of this is actually to look at the form, the Greek form that Paul uses for the word prayer. Because prayer, he placed it in the participial form. Let me explain that to you. This is what Dr. Clinton Arnold says uh, on the screen. He says, by using, utilizing a participle, Paul ties prayers closely to the previous pieces of armor and uses it to explain how one stands. Therefore, one should not interpret Paul's comments on prayers from verse 18 to 20 as a new topic. Because of the rhetorical emphasis on prayer in this verse, it should not be seen simply as a seventh weapon. Rather, Paul is presenting prayer as, listen, foundational for the deployment of all the other weapons. Then he goes on to quote another uh, scholar, uh, Andrew Lincoln. As, as Lincoln observes, prayer for strengthening from God can be seen as a major way in which believers appropriate the divine armor and are enabled to stand. In other words, what he's saying is prayer is not a seventh weapon. Prayer is how you and I activate faith, activate salvation, activate truth, activate the sword of the Spirit. It's coming into the presence of God and we are praying these back to God. This is absolutely important because at the end of it, when we, we trust God, we have the shield of faith, etc., etc., what really works at the end of the day is you and I believing it and praying it back to God. In other words, prayer is at the very heart of spiritual warfare. We saw it in Daniel 10. We see it again now in Ephesians 6. And friends, I believe this to be true, that when you and I pray, something happens in the unseen world. When we work, we work. When we pray, God works. But this is very difficult for many of us in, in practical Christian living in Singapore because by and large, we want things to work fast and at our time. When we pray, if we do get an answer, we just stop long and just do it long. Why? Because we are Singaporeans, ma. We must get the work done. Now, nothing wrong. I'm not saying, therefore, you just sit down and pray the whole day. I'm not saying that. Nah. We work and pray, ora et labora. We do both. But by and large, most of us work more than pray. That's all I want to say. By and large, most of us work more than we pray. And if we are honest with ourselves, of the many spiritual disciplines uh, that we, we, we work with, uh, our daily devotions, our prayer, our etc., prayer is quite challenging, isn't it, for most of us? The moment you want to pray, you find yourself distracted. Oh, you do answer WhatsApp, ding, ding, whatever comes over. And, and I would say that, you know, if I were the evil one, I would make everything for Christians to do, uh, even good things. Uh, you can serve God, uh, you can do your Bible study, uh, you can go to a small group, uh, you can do all these things, except when it comes to prayer. I'm not saying that don't do Bible study. I'm not saying stop meeting, stop meeting a small I'm not saying that. I'm saying that in the midst of all this, what really moves the hand of God is prayer. And Satan will do everything to stop you and I from doing that. There are two disciplines for Singaporeans, very difficult. Uh, prayer and fasting. Uh. It's food and slowing in Singapore, isn't it? But that's exactly what Daniel is doing in chapter 10, isn't it? He was fasting, he was praying. And I believe this is what, what the Lord is laying upon our hearts today. God is calling us in the midst of the unseen world. He's telling us the reality that we can participate with him. You see, as kingdom sons and daughters, by the blood of Jesus, we are washed. We can stand in the Lord's presence and we can request of Him. And God invites us, participate with me to bring my kingdom come on earth, my will to pass on earth as it is in heaven, which is what Daniel is doing, you know. And today as we see down here, likewise in the unseen world, God invites you and I to participate with Him to bring His will to pass on earth as it is in heaven through prayer. And men and women, I believe this is where the church comes in, where you and I are caused to 
Because the greatest world we live in is the unseen world. The greatest weapon thrown against us is deception. But the greatest way forward, God invites you and I to pray. This morning as we come to a close, I, I want to share a true story. Again, many years ago, I've shared this story, but it's, it's worth repeating. It's a story about James O. Fraser, James Otram Fraser. He was a China Inland missionary, and for 30 years, he gave his life to the men and women in the Lisu tribe in Yunnan province in China. And he became famous because working so many years, he created an alphabet for these people so that they could read the Bible. It's, it's so famous, it is recognized by the Chinese government as well. It's called the Fraser Alphabet. But working with these people, the Lisu people, they were steeped in animism and the occult. And he'll share all these incredible stories of them, knives not cutting them, and it's just incredible. And when they came to know Christ, uh, and he tried to disciple them, the evil one will, will come and inflict them with all kinds of conditions because of their steep occultic practices. And many out of fear will turn back. And so it was very difficult to reach these people. So these are the words uh, that J.O. Fraser wrote. And on the screen, uh, allow me to read for you. It says, The opposition will not be overcome by reasoning or by pleading, but by steady, persistent prayer. The men need not be dealt with, but the powers of darkness need to be fought. I'm now setting my face like a flint. If work seems to fail, then pray. If services, etc. fall flat, then pray still more. If months slip by with little or no results, then pray still more and get others to help you. And I think he means others to help you pray. He spent not one, not two, not three, not four years just preaching, just praying daily, preaching, praying, preaching, praying. Most of us by four or five years uh, with no results, uh, we would have given up already. But by God's grace, he persisted, he stayed. Not just six, not just seven, but on the eighth year, there began a breakthrough. On the beginning of the eighth year, one family in one village came to know Christ. Then seven in another village. Then five in another village. And over the course of the next 16 months, 215 families turned to Jesus and the Lisu revival had begun. This is what happens in the spiritual world when we pray. And I, again, I want to say it's exceedingly difficult for efficient Singaporeans, not efficient Singaporean, uh, efficient Singaporeans, because we want to see things done. This morning, scriptures remind us the best way we can participate with God is not just to work. We do need to pray. And God invites us to join Him in that journey because in the unseen world, when we pray, God works. Let us pray. Let us pray. Father, this morning, we are so grateful for your reminder that uh, the greatest world we live in is, is not just what we can touch, feel, and, and taste, but there's a real world, more real than we dare uh, imagine. It's an unseen world, and there a war is waged against us. But today, we are so grateful that the war is won by the cross of Calvary. And you invite us as sons and daughters to participate with you, to set other captives free through prayer. So men and women right now, I want to give you a few moments to allow the Lord to minister to you. And whatever the Spirit has laid upon your heart, would you pray that back to Jesus right now? Would you pray that back to Jesus? For some of you, you recognize, God, I really need to pray. I've not been praying for myself. I've not been praying for my family. I've not been praying for my CG members, my CG leader. I want to pray. I want to pray. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, to partner with you in prayer. For others of you, you recognize areas in your life that there might be malware influence of a different kind. And by the Spirit of God, Lord, would you just reveal, would you just reveal these two, my brothers and sisters here, so that we can remove these, renounce them, believe the truths that you have given to us, act upon them, humble ourselves. Would you do so, Lord? Father, this morning, I pray you would surround your people and your church as the mountains around Jerusalem. Would you break the scepter of wickedness over our lives, our families, our church, and this nation. As we are reminded of the greatest world, the greatest weapon, and the greatest way forward. Most of all, we are reminded you are the greatest king of all gods. This morning, we can come before our King and we declare that you are the great King who set captives free. So help us participate with you as your children 
to set others free. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, Amen. I invite us to stand as we close with this song and declare how great, how great, how great is our God. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all we see how great, how great is our God. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. All we see how Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. 
In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Heavenly Father, help me, help my brothers and sisters, each one of us, to be alert in warfare and to persevere in prayer. Lord, forgive us. We may be inclined to be even more alert against phone malware than we are in spiritual warfare. Forgive us. Help us to be alert so that the enemy's schemes will not deceive us. And Lord, we confess Oftentimes, we don't persevere in prayer when we don't see outcomes, results in our own time frame. Lord, we stop. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to persevere in prayer because, God, you are at work and we put our trust in you. Thank you, Lord. The battle belongs to you and we are victorious in you, our conquering King. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you and your loved ones now and always. Amen. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word. And we hope that the message has ministered to you. You can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.